Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. It's time to separate. You know, part of growing up is moving on. And the time will come when you must let go of the old people, places, and things in order to move on to the new life that God has for you. And I know saying goodbye is so hard. I was looking back at my life and becoming a Christian and serving the Lord and surrendering to the ministry, and so many times I've had to leave people. Have you been there? I've left family members, friends, congregations, employees, neighbors, community. Sometimes you let go of the old in order to embrace the new things, a whole new life that Jesus has for you. It's kind of like the principle leave and cleave. We just did this in Genesis where Moses writes that you must let go of your old family in order to embrace your new family. That a man shall leave his father and mother, there's the leave, and must cleave to his wife because now he has a new obligation, your spouse and your children. And as we go through these scriptures, I would never encourage you to separate from your spouse. That's your new life, right? But God sometimes has us leave old family members, friends, hometown, a job, in order to then progress further, higher. God has new things, better things for us. And it is hard to let go. We have an old expression in the Christian life, let go and let God. Return to God. Let's read it about Abram. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife, and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. Abram is leaving the old life of Egypt. Now, Egypt is very symbolic of the worldly life, the old life. Egypt is very pagan with all of its gods, with its wealth, with its power, with its people. It's definitely worldly. So Egypt's the old life, the world. And he's leaving Egypt for the Negev, the southern part of the promised land. He is going to come back to the land of Israel. And the promised land represents the promises God has for you. A brand new life, a whole new world. It is the things of God. We leave the world behind and we press on to the things of God. We follow Christ every day. He's coming back to the promised land. And yes, he's bringing his friends, his family, and his nephew, Lot, with him. Lot was an orphan. Lot was his nephew. And he kind of adopts him, if you will, like a stepson. 
and raises him as his own. Verse 2. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. I do believe it's the blessings of God from serving God. I don't think he became rich through name it, claim it. I just don't see Abram living that way. I see him being godly. I see him working hard and saving and being obedient to God. And I think that the riches and the blessings of God with money and, and material things and family and friends, those are just the byproduct of serving God, of being wise, of working hard, saving, investing, and building his family business. He is rich through that. Also, he is very favored by the Lord. And also, we find out that sometimes God takes the money of the world and he gives it to us. And if you know the story of uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt, he took his wife and tried to marry her and became a big fiasco, and he got all this money for his wife. I think he kept it all. And this principle is going to happen later when the children of Israel are set free from their slavery, and in the Exodus, the Pharaoh again, along with Egypt, will give them gold and silver and flocks and assets. And again, the children of Israel will be blessed by the Lord, taking from the world, they're storing it up for the righteous. I believe God wants to take the worldly people's money, however he chooses, and gives it to his righteous children. The blessings of the Lord. Verse 3. Now, he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, the house of God. So southern Israel, and he's moving up to central Israel, the promised land, and he's going to camp out where God lives. The promised land, it's where God lives. It's the history of the Bible, the persons, places, and things of Scripture. Some people tell me, oh, the Bible, it's not true. There's not really a Jesus. Oh, there is. You've got to go to the Holy Lands and see it. And you can walk where Jesus walked, and you could see the proof and the evidence and the archaeology and the museums and the very places of the Bible. They're true. They're historical. They're real. So here they are in the land of Israel, moving next to God, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. He was there before, and he encountered God before. Verse 4, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly, and Abram called on the name of the Lord. Return to God. Sometimes we need to go backwards with the Lord. We need to go back to the very place where we first got saved. You ever do that? I was in Whittier, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is, West Whittier Baptist Church. And I walked in, and I saw the altar, and I'm like, there's the very place. I walk forward. I prayed with my pastor. I received Jesus in my heart. Wow. And then I went uh, on a retreat where I had met God before. I went back to Bible college up at Twin Peaks and thinking, wow, 
I had experienced the Lord in this place. I went back to seminary and the great professors and encounters with God and the learning and the growing. Sometimes we have to redo, right? Remember where you've fallen, return, redo. And we return to spiritual experiences. Maybe you have a special place where you've been alone with the Lord, a place on the river, a place up in the mountains, a place in your backyard. I've even at times made a little altar of stones as a memorial to the Lord and prayed there. This is what Abram's going to do. You could do this in your backyard. You can gather some big stones. Uh, some Christians will do 12 stones, very symbolic, right? the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, they set up the stones, and it's their little prayer altar. We have one here at the church at the very top of our hill on the high place, stones, and when people pray for the church, they put a stone, but sometimes teenagers come and kick them down, and then I go back and set them back up again, you know. But it's a place of remembering to pray, to seek the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice Abraham is repeating these things along his journey. Are you on a journey with the Lord? Has it been hard, up and down, and you're back on the journey again? You're back on the path, kind of like Pilgrim's Progress, right? You get back on the straight and narrow, but sometimes you've got to build your little altar. Remember the Lord. Give him thanks. Give him a gift. Pray. Seek his face. Have a quiet time with the Lord. It will keep you in check. It will keep you on the path to remember the Lord. Verse 5. Now Lot, this is his nephew, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Lot, too, was blessed. He had a lot of stuff. Uh, I think being raised by Abram, he was godly. He was the righteous Lot, you know, later in the stories we know of Lot. But he did make some mistakes along his journey. Verse 6, And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. Sometimes you have to separate. Sometimes you have to move on. Sometimes you've outgrown that place and that job and that person. Sometimes you have people in your life, they're holding you back and they're pulling you down. What does the scripture say? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Maybe you're in a bad business partnership. Maybe you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. They're very worldly. They're pulling you away from the Lord rather than bringing you to the Lord. Maybe you have friends, and you know you just got to cut them loose, and you got to replace the worldly friends now with godly friends. Verse 7, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. It's becoming a crowded place with foreigners and with family. Man, have you ever gone to visit family? And the first few days, the first week or so, it's great. I've had family come stay with me, and it was great. Wow, 
catching up and loving, hugging and traveling and buying them food and going out and everything. First few days is great, and then they're like, we're going to stay a week, okay. We're going to stay another week, two weeks and three weeks, and it's like four weeks, and I'm like, I'm coming out of my skin, and I'm like, when are you going to leave? <laughs> Have you been there? Some people say families like fish. After a couple days, they begin to stink. Have you been there? So, they're family, right? Uncle and nephew, kind of like a stepfather, stepson. But it's time for us to separate. We're not getting along you know, our business plans. My businessmen are fighting with your businessmen. Have you ever tried to mix family and business? Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you need space. Sometimes you can't be with family 24-7. Have you learned that one? So they're like, this isn't getting along. You know, our businesses are clashing. Our, our workers, our family, we need some elbow room, right? Uh, I think it's time for me to move out, right? Uh, what's the old expression? This town ain't big enough for the two of us, right? I need to move to uh, uh, have some uh, space, have some boundaries, right? Have some privacy. You know, that's, uh, I'll give you a stat. The number one reason why Americans are divorcing is stepkids that live with you, can I tell you? And a lot of times uh, I'm doing a wedding and they're like, yeah, all their kids are grown up and stuff. And I, I said, yeah, I understand they're grown up, but sometimes they move back in, so be careful. <laughs> you know, have you been there? And it's hard in the blended family and too many families. And first one kid moves in and then two kids and three kids. And man, you guys are old enough. You should be on your own, right? So the trials of family and mixing and long stays. And sometimes God says it's time to move on. Separate from family. And this is Abram separating from Lot. Verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers, or in the original relatives, we're family, we're blood, actually uncle and nephew, stepfather and stepfather. A son. We love our family, right? We want them. We want to be with them. But sometimes you need some space. Have you been there? You know, you want some privacy. So this is the plan. We want to keep our relationship. We want to love each other. So we're going to give each other some space. Verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Let's spread out, you know. Let's, uh, we don't have to live right next door to each other. We don't have to live in the same, you know, room or the same house. We can have some elbow room. 
let spread out. So, Abram is giving Lot first dibs. You choose the best for you, and I'll take second place. But Abram, God has promised you the promised land of Israel. But he knows the promises of God will come true. If God promised you that you don't have to fight for it, you don't have to push your way, you can just trust and rest in the Lord, he will bring it about. So Abram, by faith, says to Lot, you choose the land you want. What if he chooses the promised land? He may, but God will bring his promises to pass. So you choose one side, and I will take the other. I'm a middle child. I fought with my older brother, younger sister. And sometimes siblings, just they fight over everything. We're fighting over this sandwich. And my mom said, okay, now one of you kids is going to cut it, and then the other kid is going to choose the side of the sandwich that they want, you know. And we would so meticulously cut it so it's just right, because we didn't want to get chipped, and you better not get a bigger piece than me, right? And my mom's uh, solving the problem. One cuts it, the other one chooses, right? So we'll cut up the land. You choose one half, I'll choose the other. Verse 10. Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like Eden. Didn't we just have Eden with Adam and Eve? Like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. So Lot's looking and, oh my gosh, look at that beautiful river and the lakes and the natural springs and it's so green. And that's what I want. I want the land of Jordan with the Jordan River, uh, the Dead Sea, but uh, we think it wasn't as salty then, probably more fertile. Uh, but over time, with no outlet, the, the salt and the minerals built up, and now today we have the sea is dead. Um, so I choose the best. Only one problem where he chooses is the area of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you ever heard of them before? They have an evil reputation. It's kind of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? You know, you hear of certain towns and places. They're fun to visit, but I don't know if I'd want to live there. Verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Lot chooses the east, the Jordan, and then Abram chooses the west, the promised land, the land of Israel. It's not by chance, but it's the sovereign will and plan of God. And you thought, oh, oh, I guess we'll go to that Reno, Nevada. And you thought it was by chance. 
Maybe family pushed you. Maybe a job brought you. Maybe the hand of the Lord and you're like, plop, here I am in Reno and Sparks, Washoe County. What do they call it? The Truckee Meadows Valley, surrounded by mountains. And here I am in this new place. I don't know what I think of it, right? And it's not by chance. God is in control. He has a plan and a purpose, and he's pushing you and prodding you, and he controls circumstances and details, and it is the finger of God. And if you will trust him, if you will seek his face, he has an awesome plan for your life, and he has promises, just like to Abram, the promised land with milk and honey and blessings and children and gifts and everything you could ever want. Your heaven, what did Jesus say? Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. He'll provide for you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan. Canaan's the promised land, Israel. While Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. The word Sodom is where we get the word sodomy. Sodom has a reputation of being nasty, violent, perverse, immoral. It would be like you moving and you're going to set up your tent at Burning Man. How many days can you live at Burning Man and not be corrupted by the drugs and the sex and the nudity and the craziness and the witchcraft and all that goes on? Why would anyone move to Sodom? It's like moving to the Castro district of San Francisco. It's the very capital of the homosexual community. Have you been there? I had a bunch of missionaries say, Pastor John, please take us from Reno to the Castro District. Oh, you don't want to go there. Oh, yes, we do. We have a burden. We cry. We hurt. We want to show God's love. We want to pass out tracts and witness and minister to the homosexuals of the Castro District. And they said, okay, <laughs> I'll take you. And it's just crazy. The sex shops and the paraphernalia, and it's like sex to the max, if you can imagine such a thing. And they ministered, and they worked, and uh, my spirit was vexed, and they said, okay, it's enough. We spent the day. We fulfilled God's mission. Now let's go home. It is... Country versus the city. Abram is like the country boy. Take me to the beautiful, wide open spaces, the beautiful country, you know, my flocks. I want to live out in the country. And yet Lot and his family are like, no, we want to live in the city with all the entertainment, with all the people, with all the things to do. Now, I must confess, I am a city boy. Born in Chicago, grew up in L.A., uh, lived in Dallas-Fort Worth, and now I'm in a little city, biggest little city, Reno. But I love the city. 
I've lived in the country, little tiny towns, population 500 people. They roll up the sidewalks. Everything closes at 6. We ha I think we had one gas station and one restaurant and nothing to do, and I was like dying. <laughs> Take me to the city, right? And so I love Reno. I love the restaurants. I love the buffets. I love the century theaters, the arts, the shows, the movie stars, the bands, the water park. I mean, all these things to do, right? I got to have my Walmart. I got to have my mall. I got to have stuff to do, right? I love the city. But the city has its challenges, the downtown. I was thinking of the old movie, Green Acres, right? And the husband wants the country, and the wife wants the city. Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.